0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: Know your objectives. You really have to have a plan because I think that if you think it's a good idea but you don't really know what you want out of it, that really affects who you choose to work with and who your lender ultimately will be.
0: Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, quite yet then mark can look at what you've the deal you've got and assuming it checks out he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal so debt equity and potentially loan guarantors Uh, all you need well you need to find a deal obviously um but besides that you know the other main components of the deal they can help you out with so talk to mark belsky his email is m-b-e-l-s-k-y at EasternEQ.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Farrell. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with to today. Leslie Smith, how you doing, Leslie?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear it and welcome to the show. A little bit about Leslie. She is the managing director for Commercial Direct, which is a consumer facing direct lender. She led the launch of Silver Hill Funding in 2016. And she's an experienced financial services professional and thought leader and has been one for more than 20 years based in Coral Gables, Florida. With that being said, Leslie, will you give the best of our listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
1: Sure. I've been in financial services for most of my career. With Originations in particular came into commercial originations about 12 years ago. And it's had different flavors given how lending has changed over the last 12 months, but still strictly in the commercial space. Personally, I've been a banker and now an originator at a non-bank institution. And it's quite different and interesting, both interesting, but still very different.
0: What's different about the two?
1: Well, when you're thinking about a bank, but it has its own rules and it's in a box that's kind of predetermined for you for many different reasons, whether it's the risk tolerance of the bank, whether it's the regulations that really kind of shape the lending decisions. For a non-bank lender, you have a little more flexibility. There are still rules that we have to abide by and regulations, but less regulatory oversight. So therefore, it gives you flexibility to change more quickly, adapt to what the market needs and wants more quickly. And then that's generally been my experience is that speed to entry into the market and flexibility to be much more creative on the lending side.
0: What are some specific examples of where you have more flexibility?
1: For my platform, we do small balance commercial loans nationally. And where we see flexibility, for example, is a lot of our customers come to us for cash out they're looking to refi their current commercial property for cash out. And the reasons for using that is, is many different reasons. But main reason is either to acquire another properties or reinvest in their own business and, and improve it. From a banking perspective, that's rare for someone on the small balance side to get cash. But we've gotten comfortable from a due diligence credit perspective to be able to offer cash out to these small bars. And what I mean by small, let me step back and say that our average loan size is about three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So we are talking small. Our range is two fifty to five million, but the core of our small business owner and bar is in that three fifty range.
0: Got it. And what is a typical project that a customer has that you lend on or help with that cash out refi?
1: From an investor perspective, they're going to buy another property. Depending on where they are and their experience, we see a range of folks that have already bought single-family homes and have a nice small portfolio, and then they're kind of migrating into more multifamily properties. So we see that kind of cash out to invest in another property. Another would be purchasing more equipment. We've seen folks trying to expand their businesses and buying additional equipment or even just improving the look and feel of their current property, especially from a restaurant bar perspective. There's a lot of competition. So people want to do a refresh. So those are some of the reasons they use the cash out.
0: With a bar owner versus a apartment building owner, what are the different nuances of the underwriting process?
1: A bar versus, uh, you said a, a, a...
0: Like apartment building.
1: Apartment. At the core of it is really how do you really look at their income. A lot of our bars really have not fully documented their income. And that's where banks are just not comfortable lending. What we've done is figured out a way to find that income. It's not always through tax returns. So you, you say, apartment? okay, bank statements. Mm -hmm. We can analyze a couple of full years of bank statements and you get a lot more about the health of that business in that way. Mm -hmm. That's one way. So you also leverage a lot of third-party data to assess what's happening in that business. On the smaller side, slightly more difficult because there aren't that many data points when you have an auto park place or a small little retail strip mall. But still, you could be surprised how much you find out about someone and their business by simply Googling. So again, you have to be creative. You have to use non-traditional means to figure out whether this person is a good bar and they're going to repay.
0: Mm-hmm. And earlier you said you look during the due diligence Credit is one thing, and then due diligence that you do on them is another thing. From a credit perspective, what do you look for?
1: We're looking for a minimum score of 650 to start as a Mm -hmm. FICO score.
0: What if it's 625, but they got a really good story?
1: I've done that. But the story is important. When you're talking about someone that's asking for a $350,000 loan, that's going to be storied. If someone has the ability to go to a bank and get a loan, they're going to get that loan, especially if they have a local banking relationship. But the story is really important, whether it's a 700 credit score or 625, there's going to be a story with our borrowers in particular. And a lot of times that 625, it may be a one-time hit on maybe they maxed out their credit card for one month. And we see that. We see that because some people run their businesses that way, particularly if you refurbish homes, you run up a bill of Home Depot, but you pay it down. And we just kind of take a second look at what affected that credit score. The story to me is very important. It tells a lot more about what we're looking at on paper and actually brings it together. And frankly, as a national lender doing this out of Coral Gables, we're just looking to see whether the documentation, the story, and what we find from third-party sources kind of aligns. That's what we're looking for. So for me, storied loans are what I like and what we see every day.
0: What type of terms are typical for one of your customers.
1: A typical term for us is a 5-year term, 30-year am. Typically a loan to value is in the 68 to
0: 70%. Got it. And when you come across a client and it just doesn't work out, what's the most common reason why it just doesn't work out?
1: Typically for us as an unstabilized property. So, you're the type of lender that's looking for a higher occupancy. That's one. The second piece is really that the story doesn't align. We find some really significant holes in what they're telling us and what's really happening as we complete our due diligence. Mm -hmm. The third is real estate value.
0: And will you elaborate on real estate value?
1: Typically, when we're refining, a lot of times people feel that their property is worth a lot more than it actually Uh. is. Yeah. In addition, you have a lot of investors that have put in a lot of money into a serious investment into a property and refurbishing it. And a lot of times they're new to that. They think that for every dollar that you invest, that increases the value. And it doesn't do that. It doesn't translate into that. There are many other factors that go into that value.
0: What are some renovations that an owner did where they thought it would increase the value or they thought it would increase the value more than what you thought Curious what those renovations were.
1: Specifically, I would say a lot of times they're really focused on the quality Uh of what their more expensive tile and expensive wood fixtures and cabinetry. And it's good quality stuff, but if it's just an investment property, they kind of have to really think about, And they're not living there, they need to think about, do they really need the most expensive tile? Mm -hmm. Could they just not necessarily remodel the entire bathroom, but just fix it and make Mm -hmm. it look presentable to rent? And I think that's where a newer investor really is not aware. Also, they don't necessarily hire the right contractors, and that bill can increase that overall cost of that renovation.
0: Mm, Yeah, right. So someone else could have done the same exact work, paid half as much, and both parties got the same increased valuation, but one party paid twice as much as the other.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think success stories there is when you have an investor that already has partnerships and established people they use. They have a contractor, they have people that do specifics, and they, as a pod, continue on the different investments and you kind of formulate a strategy by which this is what it 's going to cost me to do this and these are my people, and my timelines have been pretty much consistent that 's when you know someone 's a little bit more experienced they've probably made a mistake or two and they 've learned from it, and now they have a method by doing the investment that makes sense
0: Mhm okay, hypothetical scenario i 've got a fifty unit apartment building i 'm going to want to do a cash out refinance, what would be the reason why I'd go to you versus a community
1: bank? A couple reasons. If you're going to personally guarantee that loan as most banks would want, are you comfortable with that, that personal guarantee? You're talking about purchase only or refi?
0: We'll do refi.
1: Okay. So refi, number one, the bank probably won't give you the cash that you want. Number two, they're probably going to look at that real estate because I'm not doing class A real estate. If you look at some of my properties, they're not as pretty when you Mm -hmm. take a picture of them. So that's another reason you would come. If your property is not in the best neighborhood and it is not fully occupied, you're probably going to come to me. If there are concerns around environmental, you're going to come to me. If you want to close a loan really quickly, our average close is about 45 days, you're going to come to me.
0: Got it. What about on purchase? If it's not a refinance, but if it's a purchase, what would be any differences or new things that you'd mention?
1: It's probably the high LTV. We go up to 80%. Okay. So if you're purchasing and you only have to put 20, it makes a big difference.
0: And did I hear you correctly that you don't require a personal guarantee?
1: In certain scenarios, your pricing is better if you do personal guarantee. So if you do a personal guarantee, then we're adjusting your overall rate to less risk because you're personal mm. guarantee. If you're non-recourse, then pricing looks different. So there are right. both options.
0: Will you give a hypothetical scenario for what the difference would be between guaranteeing it and not guaranteeing it?
1: I think you see a non-guarantee when you're an investor and this is not something that you're willing to put your personal net worth yeah. into.
0: Sorry, what I meant to ask was from your side, the difference in terms between the guarantee versus non-guarantee. What difference in terms, what is the difference typically between those two?
1: From an LTV perspective, I'll start. You're not going to get to 80% if you're not guaranteeing the loan. Your interest rate will probably look more if you're not guaranteeing the loan in the eights and nines. And if you're guaranteeing the loan, you're looking six to seven.
0: What's the LTV usually?
1: For a guarantee or non-guarantee?
0: Guarantee, Guarantee, you said it was around 80. So for a non-guarantee?
1: Probably in the 60s.
0: 60s. So, for someone listening who has not been through this process and they hear you say 8 to 9% and 60% loan to value, they're like, oh my gosh, those 8 to 9% interest rate, that's twice as much as what I see when I search interest rates right now on Google. What's your response?
1: things. Interest rates continue to increase. We're in a very different place than we were last year at this time, generally. And also we're taking on risk. We're taking on risk on someone, probably that profile of that bar, their credit score is not the best, maybe. The property probably is not in the best location or has some sort of issue with it where a traditional bank, where they would give you that four to five percent would give. So the pricing reflects what your scenario is and the risk that the lender is taking. That's really what it is. Particularly if you're thinking about doing a cash out, if you're going to do unsecured, you're going to do double digits. If you're going to get a working capital online with any of the on-decks of the world, that's going to be double digits and that's going to be a really harsh loan. We're talking about using your current real estate, getting a loan that makes sense and it's not going to come due in 18 months. So, it's a couple of different reasons, but literally the eight to nine, 60%, it's just the risk that we're taking with the property and the bars on the loan.
0: Got it. What's your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: Oh, know your objectives. You really have to have a plan because I think that if you think it's a good idea, but you don't really know what you want out of it, that really affects who you choose to work with and who your lender ultimately will be. It's really, really important for you to know what you'd like out of that investment. If it's short-term or long-term, then there are different lenders out there and different costs to that loan. So it's really important that you really know what you're looking for.
0: Short-term or long-term, so thinking through how long we want to hold the property, what are some other questions we should ask ourselves when determining those objectives?
1: I would say also, is this just going to be a one-off or are you building a nest egg for yourself and are you building long-time wealth with this? That's different as well. I think that we see a lot of folks that really are thinking about their long-term wealth and not just kind of a fix and flip and we're done. So you have to kind of step back and consider that. I would say don't limit your investment property to where you live. Think about maybe in other areas that are up and coming. So understand what's happening in the neighborhoods and maybe invest outside of where you live, just in case anything happens. At least your particular property is another part of the city that's thriving if, you know, where you live is not. Diversify. Don't necessarily always buy in the same neighborhood or same property type. Think about whether you could align yourself with, if it's nest egg type of scenario, with a property manager to help you manage those properties effectively think that was maybe the most important.
0: If someone calls you up and they say, I have got a deal. I want to do a refinance on. What are some of the questions that you will ask during that first phone conversation?
1: Credit score. Number one, what is your credit score right now? How long have you owned a property? That matters for us, specifically. if you have someone that's kept their property and their business through the recession that speaks volumes. We ask also, are they current on their personal home mortgage? That's very telling to us from a consumer behavior perspective. If you're current on your mortgage, says something about you as a bar. Mm-hmm. We also talk about, can you validate your income? Because that then takes us to different types of conversations. Because we have a full doc program. Are you have bank statements and tax returns? Your more traditional underwrite, and then you have a lighter doc version, which is, we talked earlier, which is our bank statement program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So those are the questions that we ask. So then we can put them and counsel as to where would be the best program to place them. Or from the beginning, we could say, well, maybe it's, we won't be able to do that. Maybe tell me their credit score is 500, we won't be able to do that loan. But at least those qualifiers up front help us understand what they're trying to do.
0: If it's a lighter DOC program where you verify income through bank statements, does that mean they will have less favorable terms than if it was a full DOC program?
1: Probably, and that's where we'll probably be limiting LTV.
0: Cool. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at eastern.com eq.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Okay. Best ever book you've recently read.
1: Oh my goodness. I'm a listener now. I've actually really adopted Audible very much. So I would say the last that I listened to that was pretty good was Something in the Water. It's a murder mystery. It's what I like.
0: Oh, sounds intriguing. What's the best ever challenge you've solved in over 20 years of being in the financial services?
1: Hiring the right people. Hire slowly, fire quickly. Without a team that's strong and that's agile, really difficult to build a business.
0: Best ever way you like to give back?
1: I give back to my local university. I like to mentor a lot, whether it's within our own organization, I participate in mentoring and also within my local university. Because I think when people see a person that went to their school, graduated, and now kind of their career evolved in a very non-traditional way, I think it helps people feel less about not becoming a doctor or a lawyer or something that's much more formed and shaped. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the best way. And I've also been able to recruit really great people that way over the years.
0: How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on?
1: Well, you can find us at CommercialDirect.com and you can find me through LinkedIn as well.
0: Leslie, thank you so much for being on the show talking about the different types of loans that you do how you qualify your customers and the pros and cons of the loans as well as the getting into specifics of the due diligence that you look at. And that's important that we know that as borrowers so that we know what to have prepared whenever we speak to a lender. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you. It was a great experience.
0: Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.